if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. We get started now at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Monday, the 18th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Today is also, of course, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, the day that we celebrate the life and achievements of the revered civil rights icon, and we will indeed do that today. Coming up on the program, we will also talk about the news of the day with Congressman Jim Jordan. He'll be with us in about 40 minutes, at about uh, 9.48, and we will talk about the unconstitutional and congressionally illegal uh, vote to impeach President Donald J. Trump that was held by the House last week and whether or not it will indeed be taken to a trial in the United States Senate and what that means going forward. Forward, We will also talk to Congressman Jordan about the extraordinarily dangerous. I, 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 I look for better words, don't have any at the moment, but extraordinarily dangerous agenda for the incoming president, Joe Biden, uh, on day one and in the first 100 days of his presidency. Some of the information has been leaked or or, uh, actually released, and we are going to have to discuss what that means going forward, and we'll do that with uh, Congressman Jordan at 948. Then at 1010, Leo Holman will be joining us again. Now, Leo Homan is a uh, phenomenal uh, thinker, and he's been a, a somewhat somewhat of a regular guest uh, on this program. And Leo Homan has put together a kind of a ten point plan for us to follow in resisting the techno dictatorship that is being foisted upon us right now. Now, when I say resisting, I don't want all of us, he, uh, you know, to to play the role that the liberal democrats played for four years really for five years because they started saying resist hashtag resist 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 the resistance is is what they did for donald trump or did to donald trump for five years counting his year of campaigning before being elected um this is not a you know copy of that anything that they say we're going to resist that's not what this is this is very specific. What Leo Holman, who's an investigative reporter uh, who has written books and countless numbers of articles on refugees, global migration, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, politics, religion, and more. Uh, what he's talking about is very specific resistance. 
how do we fight back and resist techno-dictatorship or technocratic dictatorship? And he's got 10 things we must do now to halt the economic, political, and information takeover of America. That last part is the key. I said to you on this program, and by the way, Leo will join us at 1010 this morning. I said to you on this program uh, about a week, about two weeks ago, I guess now, whatever it was, whenever we found out that Apple and um, Google had deplatformed from their app stores uh, the uh, uh, website Parler, the social media application Parler. I said then that the most dangerous men in the world, the most powerful and most dangerous men in the world, are the CEOs of Google, Apple, Microsoft, Twitter, Facebook, and Amazon. In Not necessarily in that order. Together, those people are the most dangerous men in the world. More so than Joe Biden as President of the United States. More so than Kamala Harris. More so than anybody in our Senate or our Congress or any of the dictators around the world, quite frankly. These men control information. These men control communication, coordination. And they, they, they rule with an iron fist. They are virtually untouchable. The Congress won't pass any laws to limit their power, to limit our ability to communicate with one another, to coordinate, to use the modern technology of the age, of the era in which we live, to work with one another. Congress won't do it. They won't regulate them. They call them in every so often, and they, you know, they they smack their 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 fingers with a ruler, uh, you know, and they say, "Now you guys better do better." And they go back. Jack Dorsey and Zuckerberg and the rest of them go back, smoking doobies and laughing at the uh, uh, at the Congress. And no, I'm not accusing them of smoking doobies. It's just the way they come off. Uh, in in all seriousness, this is this is what they do. They just laugh at any potential. Uh, action that Congress may take at them. So they are just that dangerous, and uh, what Leo Holman is going to tell us is how we can fight back. I gave a speech a couple of weeks ago at McFan, and we were talking also about the censorship of Parler and so forth, and people say, Bob, okay, yeah, you've outlined the problem. What do we do? And I always struggle because I don't have all of the answers. I do need to, you know, part one of finding any, any solution is identifying the problem. So I feel like it is contributing to that, but in all seriousness, I don't have like an actionable, you know, set of actionable items. Leo has put that together, and that's why we'll talk to him and get those coming up at uh, ten ten this morning. Now, uh, good news on the part of that story as we start the show today is Parlor is back up, kinda. Parlor is back online at parlor.com, but not as the social media application that it was which was the fastest-growing social media application in the world prior to uh, Amazon yanking it off of their servers and then Apple and Google yanking it from their app stores so that conservative-minded people who believe in privacy and free speech would no longer have a place to go. So uh, Parler is up again just in that if you go to Parler.com right now, you will see a memo from the CEO of Parler the founder of Parler, John Mates. And John has just one simple message here. Um, It's got kind of the goofy little symbol, you know, little icon that says technical difficulties, which we all know what they are, censorship, from other big tech giants trying to kill their competition. 
and liberal Democrats afraid of conservatives being able to share information with each other. In fact, I'll follow up on that after I share John Matz's, or Mates, and I've heard it both ways, Mates and Matz. Um, I'll share more on that, about their ability or their willingness to shut down as much as they can of coordinated uh, coordination and communication among conservatives. Uh, but John just has one thing up at Parler.com, and it says, Hello, world, is this thing on? And then technical difficulties. He writes, Now seems like the right time to remind you all, both lovers and haters, why we started this platform. We believe privacy is paramount and free speech essential, especially in social media. Our aim has always been to provide a nonpartisan public square where individuals can enjoy and exercise their rights to both. We will resolve any challenge before us and plan to welcome all of you back soon. We will not let civil discourse perish. That's it. Short message. But just an announcement saying, don't give up on us. Don't erase Parler from your bookmarks in your browser. Save it. They are coming back. They are working with a new company providing servers. Obviously, it's going to have to be a giant company. Amazon provides the servers for most of the you know the biggest websites in the world. And Parler, with its phenomenal growth, and Lord knows how many new users, needed a company that was able to provide big servers so that everything can, can be handled. All of the traffic on this very popular site can be handled. So they say they have found a new server or, or a company to provide servers, and we'll see where that goes. But for now, the good news is, is John Mates is saying, we're not done. We're working, and we'll, ha- we'll have this back. We will not let civil discourse perish. And let me say one final thing about that before I move to... The attempted uh, stifling of communication, especially if it is dissenting from the liberal worldview, um, about Parler and about you know what they started as. It's very true that it is a conservative favorite. And the reason why is because leftists on Twitter and on Facebook primarily you know, censored and shadow banned and and banned, outright banned conservative users, and they have been for years. This way, way, way predates what they did to President Trump and where they banned him from using their services. A sitting president banned from communicating to his followers through their services. It's unprecedented. It's impossible to comprehend, but they did. But this predates all of that. You know, they've been doing this to conservatives for a long time. So that's why John Mates essentially created Parler to say, you know what? What the leftists say is if you don't like the way we monitor and censor the speech and the information shared on our site, go build your own. Don't tell us what to do. Go build your own. And John Mates and team said, okay, deal. We'll go build our own. And they built Parler, not as a conservative you know, hangout specifically, but a place that says, we won't do what Twitter does to you. We will not censor your speech. We, and we will not share your information and therefore violate your privacy. It's, it's just something that is very important to conservatives, but it's not limited to conservatives. John Mates would love for 20 million liberals to get on Parler too. Engage in debate. Engage in dialogue. Civil debate and civil discourse, not name-calling and not threatening, but they're not going to watch you. There are terms of service. There are 
uh, things that you can do to violate terms of service and thus be removed from the site. But they have to be reported, first of all. They're not going to be monitored 24-7 by parlor monitors, the way Twitter is, where they're just looking for people they don't like to say something that they don't like and give them a reason to ban or suspend them. If someone is reported, then they will, they will, moderators will look at it and decide whether or not that really, truly is something that is dangerous, or if that is an expression of free speech, shut up and leave them alone. So... Parlor wasn't created as just a conservative hangout. It's a it's a place where free speech thrives. In other words, Parlor was created, which is why I have been supporting it for months since I quit Twitter. And like I said, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I told you this that I quit Twitter before quitting Twitter was cool, which it became after Donald Trump got banned. Everybody said, I'm out of there. Well, I was out of there and I started praising Parlor for for one reason. Parlor mirrors, in my opinion, the United States. It welcomes all points of view, and it does not censor them. It truly believes in free speech, and that's the difference. Twitter and the other social media platforms, which are so extraordinarily important now in coordination and in communication, they do not believe in free speech. They do not believe in America as it exists. They think that only certain viewpoints should be allowed to go unfettered, and others must be silenced. Which brings me to the other story we'll talk about after this uh, after this time out, or the other part of the story, rather. Liberals are not stopping at Donald Trump. They're not stopping at conservative elected officials. Liberals are coming for you. They want you to be silenced. They want you to not only not spew forth your conservative constitutional beliefs, they don't want you to have them anymore. They want you to not just stay silent, they want you to repeat back to them their own liberal talking points. And if you do not do so convincingly, you must be A, punished, and B, deprogrammed. This is, this is what they're saying. That you need to be deprogrammed. You have been, you have been brainwashed into the cult of Trump, and you need deprogramming now. And they want to silence all voices that may have contributed to your, uh, your cult-like brainwashing. Fox News, Newsmax, One American News, conservative websites, and yes, talk radio. Hello. They want all of us gone, so that we don't dare brainwash anybody again into the future into thinking something different than the far left orthodoxy that is going to run rampant in the united states so we'll get into all of that after this time out it's 9 20 the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer Good Monday to you. Phone lines will be open at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110 whenever you are ready. I will obviously give you no social media tags to follow until Parlor is back up and running again. Um, I want to share this, though. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, as I was just discussing, what the left wants to do to you. It's not enough for them to remove Trump from office. 
It's not even enough for them to impeach him unconstitutionally, A, without due process in the House, and B, if they have a trial of a private citizen who is no longer an incumbent president, then such a trial is illegal. You understand that? But that's not enough either. Getting rid of him, impeaching him for the second time, and trying to convict him uh, and, and thus remove him from an office he no longer holds, that's not enough. Now they have set their sights on you. The media in particular, and I, I really apologize for doing this to you. I don't like, you know, I don't watch CNN and I don't watch MSNBC any more than you do, or NBC or ABC or the rest of the, the biased left wing mainstream media. But fortunately, there are people who have the stomach to do it and they are able to assemble montages like these to kind of give you an idea of what they're saying in the left wing media. And what they're saying is disturbing. They're saying that they're coming for you. As Trump fades from uh, their consciousness once Wednesday rolls around and Joe Biden is sworn in, now it's about going after and punishing his base. If you voted for Trump, you voted for the person who the Klan supported. You voted for the person who Nazis support. You talked about al-Qaeda. What has he done in terms of incitement? Right? Osama bin Laden didn't do. No external terrorist ever did this to us. We've never worried like this, even after 9-11. Each of these people should be shamed, and they're going to go back, you know, to the Olive Garden and to their the Holiday Inn that they're staying at. I wonder if you have thought through kind of how Republicans begin what someone on my team earlier today called debathification. Look, I think the challenge is that, that the, the, the rot is from the grassroots all the way to the presidency. So the rot is at every layer. There are millions of Americans, um, almost all white, almost all Republicans, who somehow need to be deprogrammed. They can't even open their mouths about unity. Shut up about unity. The way that we in the media speak about this is so important. Twitter and Facebook aren't banning you because you're a conservative. They're banning you because you suck. They're banning you because you say evil shit. I covered more. Excuse me. I didn't realize that was there. Get that for me, Derek. Uh, that it, Derek, do we have? Thank you. Okay, yeah, this is normally a clean site, uh, but they let that one slip through. But you get the gist. You get the gist. Those were all commentators from CNN, CNN, and MSNBC, and either their actual paid anchors or their guests, talking about how you, as a Trump supporter, need to be canceled or reprogrammed. The only way you can survive not being canceled, is to be reprogrammed and to do penance. You have to pay a price. There must be a punishment. And this is what they fervently believe. At the very beginning of that clip or that montage of clips, you heard CNN's Don Lemon, who might be, and it's tough, he's got some serious competition, he really does, but might be the most reprehensible of the group, saying that you as a Trump voter have to understand that you supported the same guy that the Klan supported and that Nazis support. Number one, is the Klan still a thing? Does it really still exist? Because I don't think so. I don't think there's anybody still holding meetings around fires in pointed hoods. I really don't, but I could be wrong. Maybe I'm missing it. Is the Klan really still a thing? 
This is what he tries to do because David Duke, the nut job, uh, who, who used to be a Klansman. And by the way, I find it also really curious that the incoming president, Joe Biden, also supported the Klan. He gave the eulogy at the funeral of Klansman, Grand Cyclops Klansman Robert Byrd, Democrat senator who was notorious for recruiting new members to the Klan. So just to throw that out there, but he... Uh, but Donald said that, that Republicans, remember, this is why you have to be deprogrammed, because you voted for a guy that the Klan and, and the Nazis vote for, which it, there's absolutely zero evidence of whatsoever. This is just a statement. But having said that, that would be like me saying that every Biden-Harris voter needs to be deprogrammed because you voted for the guy that is supported by American communists. The Revolutionary Communist Party. You support the same guy that people who supported Castro and Stalin supported. You support the same people that are responsible for the deaths of over 100 million people. Communists. So if you're going to play the, you know, you are who you keep company with game, okay, First of all, none of us keep company with Klansmen or neo-Nazis, but we know doggone well you keep company with communists because they're in the same parades. They're in the same rallies, the same protests. They march alongside of you carrying revolutionary communist flags, and you are cool with it. So if you want to play that game about who's deplorable and who is uh, repugnant based on other people that support the same candidates they support, okay, I'm ready. Bring that stuff to me, Don Lemon. Bring that stuff to me. Back after the news. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Okay, it's 936. I see people on hold. Bear with me while I follow up on the uh, media part that I just discussed and what they believe should happen to you. Um, great piece in National Review on why we as Republicans or as conservatives, more frankly and more directly and more accurately, I think, because there are a lot of us who are on the verge of just departing the Republican Party altogether and uh, working toward the starting of a Patriot Party or some other third type of party to uh, actually embrace the Constitution and conservative principles, especially if more and more Republicans are going to literally shred the Constitution along with their Democratic allies. I speak look at last week. I spoke with one of them. Anthony Gonzalez, Republican, Ohio 16, who came on and told me why he voted to impeach President Donald Trump unconstitutionally and without due process. Gave him all the opportunities in the world to explain what justified his vote. He couldn't. There's nothing. There is no justification. What I wish I could have asked him and would have asked him if I had another opportunity to ask one more question, question and that would be, what do you think that voting for this impeachment accomplishes if you say to get him out of office, sorry, he was already going to be gone in five days, six days from the time they voted. Not getting him out of office. 
If this trial in the Senate is held when he is just a private citizen, it is unconstitutional. You have now supported an unconstitutional act. And number two, it's pointless because the goal of an impeachment trial is to remove somebody who is a threat to the country who is in office. He can't be a threat to the country when he's out of office. So what was the point? Forget about your reasons about what justified it or not, about inciting an insurrection, which was what I talked to him about. What, what, what did it accomplish to vote to impeach him now, other than political retribution? And that's all the Democrats wanted, was political retribution against Donald Trump. That's it. But at any rate, why do Republicans slash conservatives distrust the media? The day the rioters incited by President Trump stormed the Capitol, as the media tells it, to disrupt the peaceful transfer of power guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution, a miracle occurred. The PBS NewsHour anchor and reporters praised the the brave Capitol Police, who employed tear gas and pepper spray in a failed attempt to keep the mob at bay. This is the first time in the past year that I can recall PBS praising police, trying to keep order in difficult circumstances. I guess rioting is different when it hits where you live, and the police are protecting you. By contrast, in coverage of the leftist unrest in cities, such as my former home of Minneapolis, again, this is the National Review, uh, specifically it is Robert Moranto in National Review, Uh, Minneapolis, where buildings burned, New York, where 400 cops were injured, and St. Louis, where four officers were shot and a retired police captain slain. PBS emphasized that most protesters were nonviolent instead of focusing on instances of police brutality, or excuse me, instead focusing on instances of police brutality. My local PBS station, mind you, airs promo spots with images of white cops beating black protesters, presenting this as the unquestioned dominant reality. Of course, media praise for beleaguered law enforcement officers trying to keep order couldn't last. The very next day, NewsHour on PBS featured sociologist Ibram Kendi, who insisted that cops behaved far more brutally during 2020's Black Lives Matter-related unrest. Kendi faced a fawning interviewer with no tough questions. As for the Trump supporter killed by police last week while she was trying to enter a protected part of the Capitol building... I doubt reporters will portray her sympathetically, very unlike media treatment of Ferguson's Michael Brown, who official investigations prove was shot after trying to grab a cop's gun and later later charging the officer. NewsHour has seldom reported that in most years, fewer than 1 in 650 police officers kill in the line of duty, or that since efforts to defund and degrade policing took hold, increased homicide rates have taken a particularly high toll among African Americans. To be clear, I support police reform, but successful reform requires facts, not stereotypes, of racist killer cops. Lopsided coverage reflects two basic realities about journalism. The first, as Rolling Stone pointed out, journalists at outlets from the New York Times to Intercept are now routinely shunned or even fired for reporting stories that offend the left. So who would dare provide balance here? Second, as documented, American journalists lean left, which affects what they choose to report, which questions they ask, and which they choose not to ask. Leftist intellectuals such as Kendi are on their speed dials, while comparable centrist voices such as Wilford Riley or Roland Fryer are rarely sought. 
Journalists are only human. On law enforcement, reporters must try to make sense of a world they do not know, so inevitably their biases shape what they cover. Over the long term, the leftist tilt has discredited much of the intellectual class to the point that, even where its voices are objectively right, as regarding Trump's unsuitability for office or the generally accurate 2020 vote count, many fellow citizens simply do not believe it. Now, that last part, I completely and wholly disagree with, of course. After all, this is the National Review. The National Review, if you recall, back in 2015 and into the election of 2016, ran a full issue as to why they would never support Donald Trump and he should not be president. So National Review is hardly a, a you know, a Trump-fawning conservative paradise. They're, in fact, in my estimation, probably about as untrustworthy as many of the left-wing publications that we always decry here. Maybe not as bad as the, or the uh, uh, Huffington Post or things of that nature, but it's not something you can trust. But they're right on this part about why Republicans distrust the media. The media covered the riots that lasted five months in cities all across this country very differently than they did the Capitol Hill riot on January 6th. On January 6th, despite the fact that roughly 300,000 people came to hear Donald Trump speak and did not riot, and only a few hundred did, they called one of the darkest days in American history. In the riots that lasted five months long throughout all uh, American cities, they were causing billions upon billions of dollars in damage. People were getting hurt. People were getting killed in large numbers. Officers were being hospitalized, and it was portrayed by these same media as mostly peaceful. Only a few, a few bad apples. This is why you cannot ever ever abandon talk radio. It's why you can never, ever stop your support of conservative free speech websites. If you allow the mainstream media to dictate the story, it will be wrong and this country will be in great peril. So National Review, getting most of the story right this time. Republicans distrust the media for the right reasons, despite, of course, their rabid anti-Trump bias. All right, Congressman Jim Jordan will be joining us next to discuss what happened on January 6th, what has happened since, and where we go forward with the Biden agenda being laid out. He's next on AM 1420 The Answer. Okay, 948 now. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Um, Congressman George is going to be by here in just a second, and while I wait for him, I'm going to give you this real fast. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, former retired, uh, rather, uh, Harvard Law professor and one of the most brilliant constitutional minds working in America, Alan Dershowitz said that any Senate trial to convict Donald Trump, uh, rising from the impeachment that was held, by the way, without any constitutional due process provided, any conviction in a Senate trial would be unconstitutional as well because you cannot try to impeach a private citizen. Listen to Alan Dershowitz. It will be unconstitutional, but that probably won't bother the uh, senators. The Constitution is very clear. The 
subject, the object, the purpose of impeachment is to remove a sitting president. And there are two precedents. One is very obvious. When President Nixon resigned in anticipation of being impeached and removed, there was no effort to impeach him after he left office. It was clear that the Senate had lost jurisdiction at that point. So if it is clear that a private citizen cannot be impeached from an office he no longer holds, what was the point of all of this? The answer, of course, is political retribution. And I'm told Congressman Jordan is with us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Congressman Jim Jordan, Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative. Good to talk to you again, sir. How are you this morning? I'm fine, Bob. How, uh, how are you doing? I'd be better if our Constitution still mattered. Uh, that's yeah. where, that's how I am right now, Congressman. There's a lot to get to here. I want to just get back to the actual impeachment vote, which you yep. obviously opposed. And sadly, 10 Republicans, including one from Ohio, Anthony Gonzalez, voted to, conv- or voted to impeach President Trump. And they did so, Congressman, in the most despicable, dis- disgusting of ways, without any presentation of evidence or any allowing of a pre- presentation of a defense. If, th- mm-hmm. I, I told, uh, I told, uh, Congressman Gonzalez, last week I served as the uh, uh, foreman of a grand jury in Lorain County about six seven years ago uh, for an entire mm-hmm. summer I heard cases or actually heard the presentation of information by the prosecution and as to whether or not they had a likelihood of succeeding <coughs> or not and we all know the drill uh, you vote to bill yep. something then that means it's going to go to a trial and if you say no yep. bill there's not enough evidence here you can't do that 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 grand jury is essentially an analogous to what the House does in impeachment. Yeah. You have to present evidence, and you have to consider the other side of that evidence in a hearing, just like they did in the Ukraine nonsense, the Ukrainian impeachment, Congressman, and they skipped all of that and just said, right to a House vote. We hate Donald Trump yeah. so bad, we want to get him, and 10 Republicans joined them in doing so. Go ahead. No, you're right, and they've. Uh, I said the other day, they've been trying to remove President Trump from office since before he got there, and now they're trying to remove him after he's left. I mean, it, it, that's, the, that's the obsession that the left and the Democrats have had with trying to get at uh, and get uh, President Trump. And to your first point, and Professor Dershowitz, you're exactly right. How do you remove someone from office who's already left? That's sort of a fundamental question that I think the American people get. And then when you're doing it, as you just rightly pointed out, when you're starting that process, there should be some due process for the target of the for the removal and that i.e. the president of the United States. And none of that happened. So this is I think the part that, that the American people have so much trouble with. It's like he's leaving now in, in just about forty eight hours, he will be out of office, and yet there is going to be a a trial in the Senate uh, after after the incumbent president has has uh, has left. So n- no one gets it. Um Unfortunately, that's never stopped the Democrats. As I as I said, you know, you you think about it. July thirty first, twenty sixteen, they open the investigation into him. They try to get him uh, before he's elected. Once he's elected, they continue to try to get him before he's inaugurated on inauguration day. Nineteen minutes, nineteen minutes after he's sworn in, the Washington Post has a headline: "Campaign to impeach President Trump has begun," and it just is, it continues now after he's going to leave office. If that is not an obsession, I don't know how you would define one. 
No, I totally agree. But like I said at the beginning, I don't understand how Republicans can join it. That's the most. Dis- I mean, we know who the Democrats are. They've told us. They've shown us from, like you said, you know, prior to his even being elected. But now for Republicans to join in, you know, the one question I would ask any member uh, um, who, who voted uh, to to impeach President Trump, if I had it to do over again, I would even ask con- uh, Congressman Gonzalez this: Is what do you hope to accomplish here? Because if the accomplishment of an impeachment, or the goal rather of an impeachment is to remove somebody from office and that already is going to take place on wednesday the 20th what is the reason for voting for this right now and i don't think there could be an answer they for the left and for the democrats the answer would be what you just said they've hated him from the very beginning they tried to impeach him before he was even even inaugurated well and then announced it 19 yeah. minutes after but for the republicans what are you hoping to accomplish here by trying to remove a man from office who's already gone from office well, I, I think what the Democrats' uh, other goal is, uh, additional goal is, they don't want the president to run for office again. This is, uh, this is, this is about politics. This is about disqualifying an individual from seeking office, particularly the highest office, the one he just, had, the one he still holds for the next 48 hours, president of the United States. So I think, I think there's politics involved with this. Uh, there always has been. Um, there's, there's this idea that the, 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 the Democrats do not want, do not want someone who came to that town and took on the swamp, who came to that town, as I've said many times, and you've said many times, Bob, so we talk about on your show here, that this, this individual did more of what he said he would do than any president of our lifetimes. I know that, and maybe in history, because no one has taken on that town, taken on the swamp, and done more of what he told the American people he was going to do when the American people gave him the opportunity to go serve as president. And that's, I think, what they also fear and what they're trying to stop is if they can get a conviction right. in the Senate, then there then then he can't run again and I guess that maybe answers the question about some of these Republicans, too. They want to wash their hands of Donald Trump. They also, those who voted to impeach, want to make sure he cannot come back and run again uh, so they don't mm-hmm. have to deal with that again. Uh, Congressman, let's move on to not just the president, but they are focusing now on somebody else. They're focusing on me. They're focusing on you. They're focusing on anybody who has been a Trump supporter. I played a montage earlier in the program uh, that you didn't get a chance to hear, but you probably have heard it perhaps live. Uh, they're calling for the deprogram of Trump supporters, and yes, even the punishment of Trump supporters, they have to be uh, re-educated and they have to do some sort of penance for their support. They also want to make sure that in the future we cannot communicate with one another. They're not just talking about Parler, which of course we know has been deplatformed and is fighting to get back online, but now they're talking about cable networks. Newsmax, One America News in particular mentioned, along with their obvious target of Fox, they're saying that cable providers should stop streaming those fountains of misinformation into the homes of millions of Americans. <laughs> now we're in a very, very different place here, Congressman. Yeah, and, uh, and the, I think the key point for every American to think about is the cancel culture won't just stop there. It will not be satisfied just with Republicans, just with going after conservatives. That is not how these kind of, these kind of efforts uh, ever, ever end. They always the, the appetite for more control just keeps building, just keeps going. And so at some point, and I've said this on, on this show and I've said it, I've said it in committee hearings to my Democrat colleagues. I said it will not stop with us. They will come for you, too, because because it, it gets to the point where it's not enough for you to be silent. It's not enough for that for you not to be able to communicate. At some point, you have to agree with the cancel culture. You have to actually affirm what they are saying. And that is frightening. That's why 
in order to get to that point, they have to keep coming for everyone. And that's, that's the scariest part, particularly when we're talking about our great country, the greatest nation ever, with a First Amendment, with the Bill of Rights and the Constitution we have, to see them doing these kind of things is just absolutely wrong, and we have to push back against it as hard as we can. No question about it. Congressman, let's move forward now, and let's look to Thursday, um, which would be the day after the inauguration, and the implementation of the Biden agenda. According to multiple reports, and I don't know if these would be considered leaks or actual releases, but um, he's planning to reverse virtually everything that Donald Trump did by executive orders in his first day or or first several days, including um, reversing the travel moratoriums that were placed on countries uh, that were, of course, considered enemies to the United States in terms of um, uh, potential uh, terrorist attacks and others who, who are trying to get into this country illegally, or rather uh, to, to carry out illegal mm-hmm. acts. But from the illegal, illegal entry part of this, he is also uh, promising to legalize and give a pathway to citizenship between 11, and to, uh, between 11 and 20 million illegal aliens who are currently in the United States. That has prompted a new caravan of uh, yep. potential immigrants to be start, start their northward march to get into the United States while the getting's good because Biden's about to legalize everyone. How dangerous is this agenda that he has put us on? No, I mean, I think that's that's obvious to anyone listening. We we know this is wrong. Look, look, uh, when he he announced uh, months ago that he was going to do this 100-day moratorium on on, on the immigration issue, you knew knew there would be a caravan at the border. And as you say, we know it's going to happen and is happening. That that is just obvious from the policy and the messages and the signals that, that, that he is sending. Um, it, it, it's sad that they're going to undo so many good things. I, I, you know, this, the Paris climate, the, the, the out of the Iran deal, uh, the, 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 the border control. He's going to rejoin Paris. Things. He's going to rejoin that Paris yeah. Accord on day one. All these things. Yeah. They're talking about the XL pipeline. They're talking about all kinds of things. Um, and again, this is, this is, this is what happens when, uh, like, what's the, the line we've used so many times? Elections have consequences. And now the left, unfortunately, is in control of, um, the Democrats have control of the entire federal government. And I think, unfortunately, we're going to see more of these things. We need to push back. The American people need to, to see what's happening. And frankly, we need to look. Um, this is the way our great system works. We need to look to 2022 and put the House back in, in control of, uh, uh, with, with Speaker McCarthy and the Republicans in control. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you this, Congressman. Um, I gave a speech <clears throat> to a conservative group uh, a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people ask me, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And I said, you know what? Um, I don't know. Um, but what, what we're going to have to do to try to tread water until 2022 is hope that there are some moderate Democrats that can be reached, perhaps not by you and me, but by, perhaps by their Republican colleagues in the House. Yeah. And I used your name in my speech and I said, you know, it's not enough anymore for me to say, Jim Jordan, we want you to vote this way. And for Jim Jordan to go and vote that way and see he's, he's serving his constituents. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Great. We need to ask Jim Jordan and others. Again, I just used you because I know I'm going to talk to you. Sure. But others, you need to, and and other Republicans need to reach out to the Joe Mansions. You know, not every uh, every Democrat in the Congress in either chamber right. is a far left nut like Bernie and Very AOC. True. Some of them are reasonable people. 
And 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 Very maybe true. all it takes, especially in that Senate, is one or two people to flip the other way and stop the most radical um, uh, legislative items from going through that Senate. If we can just do that, that's how we tread water until 2022. So I'm going to ask you, as I said that I would. Can we get you to not only vote the right way and not only to caucus with your fellow Republicans and Freedom Caucus members, but can we get you to work with those reasonable Democrats sure. who are the centrist Democrats and stop the most radical stuff from changing our country forever? Sure. No, we have to. For the good of the country, we have to do that. We have to look at any way possible to slow down the, the, the left's move and, and, and the things they want to try to accomplish. Uh, I think the other thing, frankly, we've got to do is um, – we got to reach out to some journalists. I mean, I know, I know the, many people think this is a lost cause, but there, I believe, still are some, probably not that many, but some journalists who can step back and see, wait a minute, what is really happening to the First Amendment? If these platforms, if these networks, if these people say that only one side's allowed to talk, do you, in fact, have a functioning First Amendment? And the obvious answer is no. So I, I still think there are some, in the, and particularly in the print journalism world, who understand, wait a minute, this is not – they may even be liberal. They probably are liberal. But they have to at some point recognize you can't, you can't do this. We still need debate in this country. We've always needed debate. That's what the First Amendment's about. And if you're going to silence people and, and not allow them to communicate, that is a huge violation of the First Amendment. I'm hoping – that some in the journalism world will have the courage to step forward as well. I really like that. And uh, although I will say the challenge is probably greater there, I think it's probably easier to find centrist and reasonable Democrats in Congress than centrist and reasonable journalists in the mainstream media. Sad to say, but I think that's probably the case. Uh, but but thank you, Congressman. I appreciate that. You look bet. Ahead, uh, thanks uh, for all you do. There are things we have to do together, and thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, that's Jim Jordan on AM 1420. The answer went a little long here. It's two minutes after 10 o'clock. We'll get news and come right back on AM 1420. The answer.